lightning. Inspirational. Powerfully refining. Powerfully refining. And unapologetically controversial. Conversations with the Royal Impress. The entire world knows the secret of who you are. Now is the time to step into your queendom and become the Royal Empress that you're meant to be. One woman at a time. Conversations with the Royal Empress. Now Akiba, she's the analytical Empress. Akima, she's the Empress that will challenge you. Now, straighten up your crown and be elevated through conversation. Conversation with the Royal Empress. Welcome to Conversations with the Royal Empress. I'm Akila, and joining me as always is my sister from another mister, Dr. Hakima. Hey. Greetings. Peace and blessings. All right. So this episode, we are taking things back to the roots. As we discuss indigenous practices and their relevance today, joining us for this topic is Leah Jones, an herbalist and medicine woman. And hey, Leah. <laughs> and birth worker and indigenous birth practices advocate, Andrea Dr. Dula Mason. Welcome, ladies. Hello. Hey. Hi. So before we get started, these are going to be like some super, super, super brief uh, bios. We have Leah Jones, and she is a medicine woman and a certified herbalist, aromatherapist, astrologer, alchemist, and magician. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, that got us on the end of that, right? Introduction. She, she's basically, you know, another member of the Conversations with the Royal Empress crew. Um, she is affectionately known as Dr. Dula. We know that she's an educator, scholar, researcher, advocate, and legacy builder, in addition yeah. to all of the other hats that she wears. So, again, ladies, welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So we're talking indigenous practices today, and I think we will get a wealth of information from both of you ladies. Uh, we are so honored um, to have you here to share this wonderful wisdom with our audience. And so let's just get started. Let's talk about the role of indigenous practices now and beyond. Is that my cue to just start talking? You guys know already. Right <laughs> yeah, so I feel and I can actually tie astrology into this. I'm looking, there's a little Junko bird outside my window now. Um, so as we move into the, as we finish up the Pluto and Capricorn phase over the next three years, it'll be destabilizing. And, um, you know, I don't want to paint like destruction as something that's bad or evil. But if you look at it from a wider spectrum of cause and effect dynamics, because everybody wants to get to the Renaissance period, the high creativity period. But before we can get there, what is no longer foundational and of the highest potential use has to be destabilized and deconstructed. And so with the Aquarian energy from an indigenous level, I see that as the interconnection of all 
the interconnection of all things. Um, and I mean elemental forces to each other, to one another, and building relationships with all things, whether we're talking about cosmic galactic forces, the elemental forces here on earth, the divinity within us. And so I think that's a huge part of the lesson moving forward as, where, as well as where we came from in the past, the Sankofa spirit of things. I, I, this is why I love Leah so much because she likes get, she gives you like the whole everything of everything. And it's so true. You know, when I'm working with people, whether it's with birth work or with my husband with relationships or um, just working with women and talking about things, one of the things that I've noticed is that it's really easy for people to be so attached to modernity, what's modern, what's, yeah, you know, that's what everybody wants to get back to, to doing the things that show, if, it, if you're in the United States, it shows that we are whoever, we are developed, we are these things, but it doesn't always, well, it seldom acknowledges, um, as Leah said, our interconnectedness to, uh, to other humans here, our inter inter interconnectedness to our environment, to being part of the ecosystem. We don't acknowledge that, you know, as we are doing the things that we're doing, if we are tearing up our environment, if we are, if we are not um, putting back and, and allowing it to be a cyclical in nature, you know, not being wasteful and all those things, it's affecting everything. And so when I think um, and talk about indigenous, you know, I appreciate, I believe like she mentioned in Aquarian age, I appreciate the fact that we have the technology, the modern things, but what we've also done is let go of the things that sustained us for tens plus thousands and thousands of years before. Modern culture is relatively new and it has been unstable. And like you talked about, um, like you said, Leah, you know, Pluto and it destabilizing things, you know, in order to get the transformation that comes from Pluto, you have to, it's the rebirth, it's the Phoenix rising, it's all of those things. Um, but many, many, are not willing to um, reconsider how things look. And so when I think about indigenous and in my everyday work that I'm doing with people, I'm talking about, like you said, the Sankofa. It's not taboo to go back and fetch what you forgot. And what we've forgotten are the things that allow us to, to be sustainable. There are sustainable practices. That does not mean you exclude all of the things that allow us to talk right now, like the technology and all of that. But it also means that that connectedness is necessary. It's necessary. Ladies, for lay people, um, when they hear the term indigenous practice, they don't necessarily know what that means. So can you just kind of talk about what does it mean uh, for us to actually get back to indigenous practices. What does that mean? What are indigenous practices? It starts with waking up um, and honoring the land I live on, the air I breathe, the water that's outside my home, the water that I have access to drink, blessing the food, blessing the water, blessing everything around me. Um, I, in New Age, it's, it's called gratitude, you know, being grateful for things. But you literally have to build up um, the habit, which is what I call magical patterns, because we're dealing with the power of utterance, um, which I think has been grossly downplayed um, 
and it's no surprise that as we move into this increasing level of the influence of air trines with the Gemini node, the, you know, the Saturn and Aquarius energy right now that's in retrograde, but the Aquarian energy uh, moving through massive transits is going to be with us for the majority of this decade. So I hope that it will help remind us. And then the Libra energy, which is air too. So we're going to have all these fantastic, fantastic trines, air trines really starting to rev up and um, dominate the cosmic influences. And within that, I mean, there is a side of, of course, the technology that's coming in. And as you can see right now, the technology is, um, there's good and there's bad. And there's um, malefic forces at play for powers of domination and control, trying to use the technology in a way that mimics our natural divine interconnection to all things through AI and like these smart cities and what they're doing because malefic forces can only replicate, they can't create. Create comes from, creation comes from divine forces. Um, and so I hope within all these things and these gadgets that sound new, you know, like they're making our lives easier, there's something else that happens that reminds us that that interconnection already exists within all of us on a multidimensional level. And so you rise every day with gratitude, speaking whether you want to speak to trees or whatever elemental force that you feel a kinship with and connected to, you find that out by looking through your own fate pattern of your, of your childhood into adulthood, what type of elemental forces were you, all, were, you, were you always surrounded around? What type of elemental forces dominate your chart? What is your relationship like with those elemental forces? Because they're here to teach you. And that, those are like very basic um, indigenous practices that have been with us for way longer than America has even existed. And those practices are actually embedded in the land. And for th they've been here for thousands of years and we can work with uprising and moving into working with those powers in the land should we choose through the power of our elements. So I wanted to um, offer just like the Google of indigenous, okay? <laughs> it says originating or occurring naturally in a particular place or na native. And a lot of times when the word indigenous is used, um, people jump to, well, here, like, if, well, if you go to South America, for example, they will call anyone who's not mixed with some other, uh, whether it's African or European, whatever, they'll say they're indigenous people. Um, but indigenous practices are what we had um, predominantly um, Black people, people of African descent, or however people label themselves in the United States when we were excluded from the hospital settings, the public domain, from those sources. It's not something that's, oh, that's so long ago, or that's over there. It was native, it was, it was, it's a people knowing how to look around them. Leah, I remember, oh my goodness, it was you who said it. I'm talking about dandelions. And I think I heard someone that told me, they said, Leah said, whatever's growing around you, it's what's there to be your medicine. And it was dandelions. And people are like, no, that's a weed, that's a weed. But it's what's growing around because as you said, we're all connected. Here we are in this connectedness. And so whatever is growing around us in the community, these types of, of plants 
some we call flowers, others we call weeds, whether we think that they fit into our landscape or not, they are there because we are interconnected. We are, we are there and they're like, hey, you all have some, you know, some digestion problems. You have some issues. Let me help you. Let me help you. And a lot of the strange things, um, I remember when we stopped using pesticides, I said, I want to see what grows here. What will grow for us? You know, we make indigenous sound like something that is very far away from us, but it is when we decide that we are going to live in conjunction with the environment around us um when we when we're gonna when we remember that the way our homes are set up and the way these power lines go across here and all these things this that interrupted something okay it's our convenience i'm not saying it but it interrupted something and so when we are oh god i cannot stand oh 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 it's oh, all these no okay there's a way that this world works and systems work and all these things <laughs> when they built the when they built our homes i remember we moved here 20 years ago and at that time there were a lot more woods in my area i walked outside the front door there was an antlered deer running down running <laughs> across the lawns i said what where did i move to i mean i'm a country girl so i've seen deer but I was like, wait a minute, how are you here? How are you here? Because this is where they were first. So we're a part of, we're a part of. And when we talk about indigenous, you know, we are talking about the willingness to live and be a part of this ecosystem to understand that one of the most destructive forces that has been introduced to this earth is the human. <laughs> Not the water, not the lightning, not the wind. Wait, which one did I miss? And not the earth, right? Fire, earth, air, water. Did I get all four of them? None of these elemental things. It's, it's, it's the elemental force of us because we're not living any longer. We did for so long. And now we changed. Absolutely. So now let's just, let's, let's kind of move into health our holistic health and how basic and i'm gonna I, and i can i actually sometimes look at it as just going back to basics absolutely you know it's the basics but many of us don't know what the basics are anymore i'm making stuff from scratch too yeah um, yeah so the more well gosh this is something that i study around the world um, because it occurred to me like over a decade ago that the stuff that we were eating is not is not good for us and then if you look at the ingredients and even today it's really bad because a lot of the stuff that's advertised as holistic or good for you or organic or non-gmo you look at the ingredients it's going to have like sugars and you know some type of fructose corn syrup on top of the sugars or they'll say like palm sugar you know <laughs> And, and really you have to give and take there's some brands that are really holistic as they say they are but they're not cheap so you have to really get back to the basics of learning how to make stuff from scratch out of your own kitchen what is it? okay that's a fly using your, using your <laughs> own ingredients 
and there's no excuse because there's so many, I mean, Pinterest or, you know, blogs you can choose from all over the world. What I like to do is I like to study regions where people are living the longest and understand how they prepare their foods and spice mixes from scratch. I think spice mixes in general, especially if you come from a background in Islam. So, right, it's like the queen of spice mix complexities. Um, Islam and then the African countries. Um, but within those African countries, there's usually, oddly enough, well, it's not odd in, in my book, but there's usually um, an influence of Islam in those African countries where there's really complex spice mixes. History teaches us that, you know, it's just Northern Africa. It's not just Northern Africa. It's all throughout the continent and it's a beautiful thing. Um, so that alone, if you, if you start to study and research the medicinal properties of spice mixes, like if you type in Google and you have to type it in this way or else you're not going to get, it's going to be censored and then you're going to get a bunch of nonsense from like WebMed that will try and scare people away from plants. Like their phar pharmaceutical medications they're pushing don't have even worse side effects than they're trying to list with plants. And those studies in general are, are also very corrupted because it will, it, it will talk about someone who used like this magnitude amount of dosage and did it on a re repetitive basis repetitive basis for an extended period of time and then had a side effect <laughs> versus how people would normally consume any given plant, um, including the culinary spice mixes. So if you type in like cumin, medicinal properties of cumin or cumin, put cumin first medicinal properties, you're going to get, a, you're going to generate a lot of information to look into. Um, herbal sites are the best, um, especially if it's an herbal site that comes from a school of herbalism. And you'll start to see like, wait, these all have respiratory tonic effects. They actually cleanse and rebalance the reproductive system. They clean my blood. They are good for the heart. They're good for the mind. And so you can start integrating spice mixes that you, you integrate, you take the whole spice and you powder it down like in a Nutribullet um, in proportion to your taste and what the recipes online say. And you start learning how to cook holistically from that. You know, I'm like the spice queen. <laughs> yes, she is. <laughs> and and you know what? And I, and I have a Nutribullet, but I'm more into the mortar. Yep, there you go. And bless that food and put yeah. your, your yeah. energy into it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway. They really use in other countries. They don't really use, like, Americans, we're the only ones that really use the Nutribullet. Even when I was getting trained in Bali for holistic... Um, mm -hmm. Food preparation, they were making fun of Americans for using the Nutribullet. And the Americans <laughs> in the class were asking, can we use the, the Nutribullet? And the Balinese were laughing because that, that's what they use, the motor. And yeah. The motor, or I think it's called and just grind it down. Yeah. Mm. And, it, and, the, and the smell that it emits from that mortar yeah. is just, it's like you smell the healing. <laughs> if that's even a thing can you smell healing okay i love it <laughs> hey, she's right she's right because a lot of those um like i have coriander essential oil so a lot of the spices they also have essential oil ingredients so what she, what akila is actually getting is she's getting that therapeutic property when she grinds them down mm. yeah. that's that's the thing that's dead that's what i was gonna say it's like you know and before you even mentioned the therapeutic nature of the, you know, the smell, which is nothing like getting it out of tube or whatever. Yeah. It's literally life. I mean, you're taking something alive and saying, 
and you're in, you know, you're taking it in that way. So it's so much, it's so potent in itself. But from an indigenous perspective, when we think about the difference between me going, and actually doing the work to do this, we underestimate, you know, um, one of the things that the U.S. is is and and much and a lot of Western culture because of how things have happened, um, it's made labor seem like a bad thing. So whatever is simplest, easiest, and because of our lives go like this. Because hey, hey, give me a shot of this, and uh, and and I want to pop, 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 and you just do it, do it, do it. But part of that holistic health attached to indigenous culture is our body movement that's just contained in us taking care of ourselves. I always have to get on myself and like, oh, I don't feel like going out there and pulling up anything from the yard. You know, it's hot out there. I don't feel like it. You know, I'm not thinking about vitamin D at that time. I'm not thinking about, you know, the how good it is to go and bend and do this and 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 to be there and touch the ground and ground myself because we are conditioned mentally and even energetically to exist in a certain way. And so when we are talking about the way that we get our food, it means something to plant your own food and watch it grow and have to make and go and tend to it. That means something. That's part of our connectedness, right? But when, and, and it, it makes it tough because many of us have these lives that are just like this. And now the thing that really could sustain us feels like it is an, an, another job. Look, I'll just go to whatever produce and I'll just get what I need. I believe that they source well and locally. And so I'm supporting my community, you know, and all these things. But part of that work, um, modern culture says, the further we go into freedom, the less we have to move. We just, we'll just think about, I'll think, I'll think and communicate to Leah and, and she'll get it. And, and I don't have to even, I don't even have to move my mouth. That's, I'm just looking for when I can just be. And I'm not taking away from the telepathic kinds of things that will be more prevalent in the future. What I am saying is, I was about to say a false balance is an abomination, but even if you think of the virtues of my my ad, okay, whatever floats your boat, okay, however it means whatever to you. Uh, my son was talking about the flow of things. When we're on one extreme or another, it's not sustainable. We're not resourceful. So then, how many days could you be in a catastrophe? Could your supermarket close before you? then had no way to support yourself, no way to eat. You're not familiar with how, I don't care, find water. So if the water is, you don't know how to do anything. Those things that make us feel most comfortable because AI is here and that's okay, they'll automate it. Okay, but that's when my conspiracy stuff stick kicks in. I'm like, and literally if they push that button, all of it stops and then where are we? We are still here on this planet with trees that grow because the water goes into the ground and, and, and the earth keeps the roots even in the winter from freezing and the sun comes and death. We're still here with all this. 
But we've forgotten what as recent as 60 and 70 years ago, uh, most of the planet had to know in order to sustain itself and to live. So we carry that stigma that indigenous practice are, are uh, forbidden or, or bad because, you know, our ancestors were for, forbidden for even passing their knowledge down. But it seems like with that lack of knowledge being passed down, what was passed down is that's bad. You can't, anything that reminds us, reminds us of our original state is, is looked upon or frowned upon by us as a people. So sad. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. I agree. It's like, it's like if, you, if you tell somebody, oh, I got a headache. Oh, well, take this medication. But then you say the root of that medication is, is in this herb. I'll just take this herb. It's almost like you, you're doing something that's sacrilegious. And it's, just, it's sad how we're just so programmed to, to reject what's original. Like mentally, we've been grafted, you know, because coming from the earth is, you know, that's original. We should automatically seek something from the earth. But the fact that we reject it just proves that our minds are genetically modified. You know what I mean? We're, <laughs> we're, we're just as genetically modified as the foods in our minds because anything original we reject. Mm. Yeah, that was my biggest challenge when I first started out um, as an herbalist and aromatherapist seeing clients. I quickly started to realize that there had to be um, an unlearning and a resocialization of their mm. entire lifestyle. And that's where I got frustrated. And I knew, I mean, I could have been, you know, the mass consumption salesperson, which I'm sorry, but most herbalists are, but no, yeah. no um, judgment towards people who need to put food on the table and they're doing something they love. I totally understand that. However, the commodification of the herbal industry doesn't really move into helping people heal to the full extent that the power of any given plant can. So I, I quickly realized this has to be like an entire education. And most people, I was living in Oakland, California, most people at the time weren't open to revamp their entire lifestyle. Um, it's all, you know, it, 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 Oakland kind of made it hard because we're talking about like city life and people really didn't care about growing plants. We're all socialized to take a pill and have, have quick results and plant medicines don't really work like that. If you're working mm, with a multidimensional sure. healer, they don't really work like that. And once you step into the power of multidimensional healing, what else, what other type of healing is there? So it's like, I can't, you know, I, I was working towards finishing off my clinical work to become a marriage and family therapist. Um, I have 400 hours left and I walked away because at the time, Obamacare came in and they were, you know, big pharma took control of the treatment plans and the majority of the clients I was seeing were overdiagnosed and overmedicated. A lot of them had substance abuse issues to cope with domestic violence and um, physical abuse trauma. So how, you know, I'm seeing someone that's on five medications. I want to offer plant medicines. The California board, of course, wasn't hearing that. So I was just like, okay, well, I guess if I ever do this, I would get a lot further opening up a botanica shop than I will than I will working with you people within the limitations of your guidelines. And so it helped me realize, I mean, it was an inconvenient truth, but the business isn't keeping people sick, not necessarily in healing. And even the um, black therapists in Oakland, the PhDs, and so they wanted to charge you like $200 an hour 
um, for sessions. Well, who in the areas of Oakland that really needed the healing the most was going to be able to afford $200 an hour for um, therapeutic sessions that were probably going to keep them coming back for at least two years before they made mm. any grand leaps. Whereas if we look at how healing is practiced, like within um, Zulu tribes in South Africa, it's a community endeavor and they don't shame, they don't make people feel crazy. What they do is they extend love. And if you understand how that works on a collective multidimensional level, the power of that not only is so much more effective, but the swiftness of healing moves 10 times faster. So I was like, how can I create that in, in Oakland, California? <laughs> when nobody really cares, they just want a quick fix. They're diabetic, they have high blood pressure. They didn't want to change their diets. They wanted to keep on living as they're living, but they wanted something to help minimize the impact that they were experiencing that was creating the adverse effects. So again, it's that, and, and that's part of that Plutonian lesson that we're all seeing, right? It's intensifying and a little hard to hide at this point, but the false externalization of power onto something outside of you versus the internalization mm. of power that's within you. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's you know, mm. it's not sexy enough, I guess. I mean, maybe if you put your, <laughs> can you put your, can you put your herbs in a nice little, a frappe? Can I put it in a frappe? Can I, <laughs> can I get it in a smoothie? <laughs> of course, yes. Then I, you know, it it has, you know, it's like we we've been conditioned to the flair of it all, and like you said, Leah, to the instantaneous poof of it all. When the truth is that if we're living um, in this earth as you know, in in alignment with what the earth is 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 doing and saying and breathing you know, it's going to be less of a, like you said, even if, you, even if a person is changing their lives, like some people say a little bit at a time, okay, fine. Mm -hmm. It's still a discipline of understanding this is not, well, what, how fast will it work? What will it be two weeks from now? How long before I see something change? You know, these medicines, these plant medicines, these remedies are literally speaking to us at a cellular level. Yeah. And it depends on more than just um, whatever. Um, it, 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 it's like you still have to get quiet enough to, to, it's trying to talk to you. You know, it's not just shrooms that are out here talking to it. You know, people like, oh, <laughs> you know, and the plant talked to me. It's not just those. Like, <laughs> I'm just saying it's literally you know the plants they will you will sense yeah. you will you will you will you can feel if you're attentive but literally like has been stated everything moves so fast so even our remedies we want them to be fast and people will take that thing even if they tell you that one of the side effects could be this 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 or this like Leah said they look for that ex that person that tried to take it almost from a western perspective and then they say well see what happened when they did it see see yeah yeah they did it you know so it's really one of those things where you know the changes that we need to be willing to make from an indigenous perspective i mean literally um i was asking my son i was talking to him i was like hey you ever noticed that during the um because he's younger, so I always try to, whatever. I'm like, you know, when they have like the tsunamis and they have the whatevers, the animals, 
actually, you very seldom see them washed up on the shore. <laughs> oh, there were dogs and cats and pigeons and everything. No, <laughs> it never happens. But humans, absolutely. Humans, <laughs> you know? did, you, did you include the pigeons in it? Oh my god, okay. <laughs> pigeons say hey, uh-uh, I'm not here. Y'all sense that because okay, okay. it's a connection, yeah. it's like there's, there's something going on, and it is. I'm not gonna say it's not challenging, okay? I'm not gonna say it's not a real thing to try to live in this way the way it is. And to then be in tune and attuned to what is going on with the planet, okay? But I am saying that much of our healing, much of our restoration will come when we decide that that's a path we want to be on. The, the, the life, the, the, the way that life is set up as it is with this constant movement puts so much strain on our uh, adrenaline is not intended to be lived in energy it's to get us up and going but then you're supposed to be able to level out we have adopted ways that say this is how you do it hey 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 you know i was about lord i was about to say bumpy grind wrong grind okay <laughs> grind be on your grind you gotta go you gotta get it yeah. you gotta get it if you don't go get it now Astrologically, there are people that are energetically made up where that is how they live. Do you understand? And right. it doesn't take a toll on them. But there are people for whom all types of sicknesses will come because that is not how you are made up. Okay, but we just take this one remedy and it's supposed to fit everybody. Mm-hmm. We have to be in tune enough with ourselves to say, this is what my body needs. Oh, I notice when that when I do this then that happens. I want more of that. So that's what I'm going to do. You know, just like we were not to jump ahead, but we were talking about the, um, the, the sister who had her children taken from her. Mm-hmm. And it took me a long time to accept and be okay. I'm like, I'm Dr. Doolin. And people are like, Dr. Doolin, what do you think? And Dr. Doolin. And it took me a long time to realize how my body was affected. Um, it took me a while to accept how the energies were coming to me. I first noticed it when people were talking about, you know, when they were, they started showing, you know, really showing black men being shot down, boom, 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 mm-hmm. um, being killed. And, and for some, and, and so that's why I'm just mindful that for some, it's okay to have the replays. For me, it was beginning to affect me in a certain way. And I had to notice that. If we are all tuning into ourselves, then we can center ourselves in a way where we see how we can exist on this planet in a certain way. For some, if you would just go outside and walk around or stand in the sun or put your hand in the dirt or, or, or just do anything or listen and, and, and out, you know, somebody needs to stand in the rain. My goodness, just any, what, what, what is being, what are you being called to? But you can't hear that if everything is just about movement. So we do have decisions to make. And last point, all of them are not profitable decisions. All of them will not give you the stability you want, but 
um, in this natural realm, but there's a certain, I don't have the word, maybe somebody else will, but there's a certain, I want to say peace, but it's more than peace because peace is diluted at this point. There's a certain something when it comes to me, I'll tell you, that comes from aligning. I know Leah has it. That comes from aligning. Say it again. Reverence. Yes. <laughs> Say more about it. Say more. I was, um, when I was listening to you talk, I was thinking about recently over the past year, I got involved in gemstone medicine training through Dr. Mm-hmm. Jeffrey C. Yen. He's an 88th generation Taoist priest and in magic priest is another word for magician Um, my magical background is Egyptian foundations and so through that magical foundation you you learn about how it's used interchangeably there's not really a difference between religion and magic because for most of humans existence those were both Mm. interlocked together Mm. along with spirituality and like astronomers and astrology it was all interlocked together although as a priest or priestess which we like to use now although i think even back then for women we were just priests right Uh, and whoever everyone would specialize in something different so for dr jeffrey c ewan who i think he lives in new york i learned what who i'm learning through is a woman named sarah thomas out of western north carolina who's been his student for over a decade and our number one understanding is that we have to look at all things related to medicine and magic as relationship. And so, you know, and I've been, you know, I've been dabbling, I should say, in magic and divination tarot since I was 16 years old. And nobody ever explained it to me in that simplistic form. Even after um, being an herbalist for over 10 years, nobody explained it to me in that simplistic form. And when you look at traditional Chinese medicine and how they look at chronic issues, illness, and things of that nature, which is not separate from spiritual entities. Most cultures actually look at imbalances interconnected to the spirit world. Again, relationship. I I started to realize how I was falling along this Western construct of even diagnosing like herbal medicines as a form of separateness. Um, Someone having a headache was brought up. Well, what other, if you look at the Chinese meridian system, of the body, you'll understand that a headache can come from other different regions, different or- organs, or maybe something environmental, which we're more aware of these days because all the contaminants and toxins in our environmental, um, in, in our environments and the products that we use are used to use. Mm-hmm. Um, and all those things um, create a level of wisdom that starts to build up relationship and relationship starts to build up reverence and reverence starts to build up this internal flame power that you never realized you had and what i think about is what if someone told me this at 15 or 14 years old when you start to be socialized to become like boy crazy and your whole concept of relationship is based on like externalized self-worth based upon the type of partner you get what would young women start to realize as far as a paradigm of wisdom if they were taught very early in life that relationship is actually the power of your interconnection to all things and therefore yourself and to build mm-hmm. from that what so, a wonderful so, world it would be right <laughs> Almost matrix babylonian yeah what a wonderful world right now wouldn't have a chance they wouldn't mm-hmm. even have a chance 
I wanted to uh, just briefly, um, when you were talking about the headache, because remember, Leah, you and I just had a conversation about a headache that I had and what that my first thing to do was not to run out and take um, an aspirin for it. But I was going to say, but when we talk about the environmental things, I remember um, I was getting these migraine headaches and I couldn't figure it out. Like, why am I all of a sudden getting these migraine headaches? And what I realized was, which is another thing that, that everyone is out buying LED light bulbs. That's what they use now. Yeah. And I realized, and something hit me, and that's, that's about being in tune. What is it these light bulbs? You know, it came to me. And so when I started looking into it, then I realized what LED lights actually do to us. And then I, so what I did was I experimented. And I unscrewed the light bulb, not all of them, but the one that was facing me. And what I realized was that when I unscrewed one, the headache left that side and went to the side where the light bulb was. I don't need anybody to tell me that mm. that was wrong, because if you understand and you, you know, you, you have to listen. And so I removed the LED light bulbs out of my bedroom and my headaches. Isn't it interesting? Yeah. Isn't it interesting? Yeah that a certain level of um, divine guidance comes from down from down into the crown chakra from up above so what mm -hmm. what is it that what i call the cabal knows as far as like the opening of increased levels of divine guidance coming down that they're trying to circumvent through their you know through their false weaker parasitic power of trying to create mm -hmm. these environmental constructs yeah. uh, us out of our own minds and bodies so they can continue to feed because of course they're weak and as hosts they need something to feed on that's and right as you keep getting the divine guidance from above you they don't stand a chance exactly. that's, that's the thing that i hope and pray that people start to realize yeah well once we get out of the microwave mentality yep that might open things up i've, I've always said that i'll say microwave generation not meaning people but just the the, the time that we're in right now. And, 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 and I thought about that and then maybe it just came to me. And I said, I, I often realized the, the microwave oven brought a mentality with me. Because <laughs> at the point that you think that you should boil water in a microwave instead of a stove, which takes exactly the same amount of time. Stop, stop. Or that you can't even heat up your food. You can reheat food in the oven. This is why the children are so important. This is why it is important for us to continue to evolve. Those of us who are parents or those of us who are just in a position to be able to guide, I don't care if it's your niece, nephew, or the kid next door, to encourage that energy because the conditioning. So I remember when I was in the, um, I was working on my doctorate. I don't know if I said this on here before. I can't remember. Um, I remember they were like, what is the purpose of education? And I, oh my goodness, I was homeschooling at the time, homeschooled for 13 years. So it was somewhere in that span. And I was telling them all the benefits of homeschooling your children and how we expose them, allowed them to explore their surroundings, which I did, and, and, and to discover on their, on their own learning styles and whatever. And this is a black woman, my professor. She was like, well, no the purpose of education is to make good citizens. She said, read the text, chapter seven, 
in so-and-so's book or whatever. And I was like, what? <laughs> and I started, then I came out of this flowery place and I started reading how basically that's what all of them were saying. We're here to make mm. you good citizens and good citizens are those that will do what you're instructed to do, will not question. Now, but what does that mean? When I went into the elementary schools with my children um, and I was doing assistant work, I didn't understand that before they get to kindergarten, kids don't know how to stand in a straight line. They have to be conditioned to learn that, right? Just think about the stuff that we take for granted. Kids don't know to naturally raise their hand. Literally, the first schooling that happens is to condition the children to respond like the, um, what is that? Everybody knows it. Now it won't come out. Like the the, the dog and the, what is it? The, um, oh, you know what it is? The bell Pass rings. Dog. Pass yeah. dog. What is it? The, the bell rings and the dog salivates and, and it's yeah. time to eat even after he no longer, they no longer feed the, um, they no longer feed the, I have the steak or the whatever. All they have to do is ring the bell and the response will come and the response will come and the response will come. But what is that actually doing and what is actually happening? What happens even in our parenting? Okay, I have four children and they're almost all grown. Got one more in there somewhere. But what happens as we're teaching them? Leah talked about this divine, this, the, this, this crown chakra, this, this place where we hear for real, where we hear, it, we get the instruction, right? Are we cultivating that part? Are we cultivating that part? That part is open. Symbolically, that part is open on a baby. It's believed in many indigenous cultures that that is where the spirit enters and leaves, right? Are we cult? What are we cultivating? I always say simple things like when you notice that a child doesn't want to hug a certain relative. Many of us have been in scenarios, hug your auntie. Get over there. Stop being like that. I don't know why he's acting like that. But as we start breaking down some of these systems, some of those things, some of our answers are going to come by paying attention, if your stuff is clogged, for lack of better words, if you can't hear, how about listening to those babies? How about watching them, watching how they navigate and move? I think they can help us get reconnected. And as I learned better with my children, I did better. I'm not gonna act like that's how I raised them all. But as we learned better, we did better. It's how do we even get the message out to people? Right, that, that these are the things that they should be doing, that they should be getting back to the basics. And um, Andrea, I did say that, I, and, and Leah, there's a situation, uh, there's a situation with a, um, a girl who was on the American Idol uh, show, I think her name is Saisha Mercado. And she went to the hospital, to the emergency room with her son because he wasn't nursing properly or she wasn't making enough milk and they were concerned about him being malnutritioned. And so they take him there and this doctor who was under investigation for reporting numerous people and having numerous children taken from their parents, um, they took, took her child and then they took her newborn baby who was also nursing at the time that they removed from a car. And 
So when I when I'm asking about the education piece, it's like something like that to me wouldn't happen if we understood indigenous practices. Because there would be somebody around her in that community that would be able to tell her what she needed to do to produce her milk other than going to an emergency room when we know that allopathic medicine is not really about prevention you know or or anything like that you know if you go in there with a broken leg great but a nursing mother to a, an emergency room doctor what would they do they really know about a lactating mother so if you guys can just kind of touch on that so that yeah i and see these are these things that i deal with from a from a purely magical level because um again, doing the clinical community work in Oakland, a lot of the, what I thought at the city and county level, or whether you're dealing with the juvenile courts, that I thought were resources that were accessible that could help improve the quality of lives of young people. They were actually more so, whether they realized it or were kind of ignorant of it and just focused on, you know, moving on up with the titles and the PhDs and whatnot and the positions and then you know, the networking that that allowed, um, they were actually doing more harm than they were good. And yeah. so it taught me that actually we, as a community within the current matrix structure, are actually not invested in um, breathing life into our young people. We're actually, whether we realize it or not, more so invested in the overall matrix death culture, which it is, it is a death culture because if you look at the paradigms and constructs, whether you're dealing with entertainment, the movie industry, the way the K through 12 education is even set up because a lot of these schools now actually mimic prisons, um, you'll start to understand that they're actually extracting life force energy out of you, out of young people versus breathing it in. So that's when I started doing altar work, um, working with photos of people to breathe life into them. Uh, and there needs to be, we need to bring the priesthood that the priesthoods back to where we are praying over um, and sending divine, divine, how do I say this, custodianship over lives that are entering into this realm. Um, and of course, it's called like psychopump is the Greek word for it, the custodianship over life that comes in and life that is exiting out. So Andrea's a doula, so she's already would be considered a psychopump in the magical realms, right? In addition to being a cosmic goddess with astrology. But we really need to get back to that. Uh, I grew up around a lot of people that are from, majority people I grew up around are from different countries. They're either, they were either born elsewhere, they're first generation Americans. So it was interesting to see this in other cultures, a lot of island cultures growing up where these type of things were natural. So even before this, this call, I got a text message from one of my Polynesian friends asking me to pray over one of the young people in her family that just went to jail. So I'm gonna put his photo up on my Northern altar. The North gate is very significant in the realm of working with four directions in magic to assist um, his time in there to make sure he gets out alive and we can put him back on uh, a fairly safe track. As I get deeper into my magical training, there's other things that we do through like creating paintings or just working with people's photos and prayers that help protect the fate pattern of people, whether young or old. 
And I think at this point in time, that's something that really needs to be reinforced, regardless of if you're just into the power of utterance, which I consider magic, going to church on Sunday and using the scripture and word to help improve your life and the life of your family, or if you're into um, something holistic, mystical, or magical, I definitely think it's time for people to really step into their power of utterance to protect their environments, their neighborhoods, their homes, and their families. Yes. Um, I know for me, I had been, I've been in the birth culture committed to the word. I've done, I've, I've been assisting people, friends and families in birth since I was an adult. So, um, but I committed to the work about a decade or so ago. And I remember um, how, you know, I'll just say in, briefly that the culture of everything has changed. What I realized, um, first of all, that, you know, what's been termed doula is of course um, what many black people had to do them. We always had to support each other. Indigenous, not just black people, it's indigenous people. If you go there now, find people that are really attached to whatever and people are helping the women, the women are helping the other women, you know, in birth and all those things. Um, what I've noticed over time though, is that a lot of birth culture has become about um, really looking for ways to advance in the system. For example, you know, to give black women the same rights as, as, as the majority culture or give us birth centers like this one has it. So that becomes, it can get kind of muddy. When it comes to how we, um, how we can begin to integrate it back into the work, the thing that I looked at and noticed um, was that as people were posting, this is the birth I want. I just had a call from a young lady I watched grow up. She's like, this is the birth I want. And people are focused on all these things. And I want all, I want it like this. And I want to be in the water and I want to be here. And I want it to be like this. Um, that what Leah was talking about, just that, you know, that covering part, what the grand midwives from the South, these illiterate women that were helping birth, what they were doing, they actually, and you can see it even in other indigenous cultures, um, they see themselves as helpers of God. They see themselves as helpers of God. They literally do. Um, they see themselves as one who's helping God. I'm a helper. I'm a helper. Okay. And so in that context, I'm not seeing myself rescue. I'm not seeing myself, um, I'm delivering the baby. No, I'm, I'm helping bring forth this life. And that in itself is protection. But the other side of it is I find a lot of, now I'm talking about like, as I'm out here strolling out here in these birth streets, you also start dealing with people coming up with their own issues from their, from being a daughter, okay? Um, because typically these these rites of passage were were, were were protected by the woman, right? But when there's been a break and a breach, now you're talking about I'm ushering in this life, but I have issues with the woman I portaled through, the woman I came through. And then it's like, well, how do we rebuild it? I have this thing. I have this thing about... Uh, 
education, like when Leah said, you know, how they're doing in these whatevers and the different community centers. I was so grateful you said it because when it comes to that, I have this thing, this was never the role of the community like that. That was never their role. And whenever it goes outside in those, in those areas, whenever it goes to the community center, whenever it goes to whoever, somebody, whatever, it's always gonna be distorted. For lack of time, for sake of time, I won't go into to that. But I will say this, because this is the point of my little ramble here. The point is when I'm talking to women and we're talking about restoring, because I'm always talking about restoring the family, restoring, restoring, restoring. Um, they will say, well, we'll talk about their mother. And it's like, oh, well, you know, I don't deal with my mom like that. I always say, but do you want to have the same relationship with your daughter that you had with your mother? The starting place then becomes with this new birthing mom. And I go and I try to work with creating a new generation in that way. And um, if you don't hear anything else I say about the birthing aspect of things, understand that, yes, you have to heal from whatever you're doing. But when we're talking about restoring and becoming stronger as families, really look at what you're doing in these children that you're bringing forth and decide that you're going to be one to begin that process. And I do believe that your healing will come as well. If we can just kind of go into just a little bit and we'll have to kind of make it quickly though, the importance of, of indigenous practices such as herbalism, astrology, et cetera. Like what do people need to know about these uh, elements and how they're important to us? And then how we learn from our ancestors and then we'll go on to our uh, challenges and we'll wrap the show up. I can give a really quick answer for that. Just pay attention to the seasons and what grows during the seasons, not necessarily what's in your grocery store. Um, and there's a, there's a lot you can look into, the history of the, the region you live in, in your state, in your community. What is the farming history of that community? What do you guys produce as far as like crops in that community that have been around for like the past 200 years? It will, it will teach you a lot. All plants have um, certain elemental forces that, or I should say correspondences that they're connected to. All plants have a certain um, season that they, that they grow and thrive through. I know a lot of people think um, like summer solstice and springtime, that's not necessarily true because even in the, in the dead of the winter, like you know February in Chicago, there's still plant medicines growing all around. Um, you know, the comfort tree family, roots, what type of roots are growing, and why are they growing during that time of year? If you look up the medicinal properties of, of like roots, carrots, potatoes, beets that grow in the winter, you'll start to realize, and that doesn't even deal with like the, um, the plant roots, the El Campaign, the OSHA roots, things of that nature, which you'll start to realize is that all these roots are in correspondence with the type of imbalances, the viruses and colds, that surface during that time of year. Same with summer season, um, with, with the things that come up, the inflammatory um, chronic issues that come up during summer, skin rashes, sunburn, you need to not get dehydrated, heart issues during Leo season. A lot of plants that are growing and thriving during that time of year correspond to those issues. So you gotta pay attention to the seasons. I love that. Um... 
So you said also to talk about the ancestral part. I love what Leah said about the herbalism and and, and all of that. Um, I wanted <clears throat> my comment to be about just all of it wrapped up, you know, whether it's the indigenous um, practices through herbalism or astrology or even the ancestors, because I believe it's all connected. Um, we have trees out here that have seen many, many lives that have seen lives come and go. And that's why people will, some people will call them tree sisters thing. Even the air that we're breathing is, is evidence of our oneness. Okay. Our oneness. There is no new element here on this planet. We have the water that flows, the way that the molecules are connecting might come through differently in different places, but we are all connected. And that's why when we go to the ground, you know, if, if, if you're buried and, and, and then everything begins to, to go back to itself, we are all connected in this and ancestrally as well. I remember the first time that I understood ancestors, like, in that role outside of a religious context, which really did not allow space for that, was I um, was my mom. And I was thinking, well, when they could no longer see and register her heartbeat, then where did the energy go? And because I'm a STEM girl, a science girl, it made sense to me. I was like, oh, you know, energy can neither be created nor destroyed. It's all here, everybody's here. It didn't go anywhere. We're all here, we're all together. And indigenous practices help us realize that. Leah mentioned how, you know, sometimes, you know, people will be um, proficient and have expertise in one area and then have expertise, another person have expertise in another area. No one is saying be everything and all. But my, my belief is that as we begin to align ourselves and as we say that the, that the intention is there, the universe responds, the creator responds, the most high, however that works for you. God responds when your intention is set into place and you say, I want this higher thing. I recognize that this is all, but I want the higher thing. All of the universe will conspire to help you see and know and sense and, and, and become a part in the part and the role you're supposed to play. Yeah. I guess it leads us to our challenges. I'm, I'm so messed up right now. I mean, my balance has been rocked <laughs> with all this wisdom and just looking at life differently. So I'm going to go into challenge number one. Open your mind to the possibilities of connecting to a larger spectrum, connecting to the universe. You have to be open to that. So when you're open to that, as Sister Leah said, you will start to take in wisdom that you didn't take in before. We have to be connected to the universe. Challenge number two, wake up to the elemental forces, air, water, fire, and earth. We are so disconnected. When was the last time you took off your shoes and walked outside barefooted? When was that? We have to get connected to elemental forces. When was the last time, as Dr. Dula said, you were outside in the rain and just letting the water hit you? Right, Dr. Doolin? <laughs> challenge, yes. challenge number three, get back to the basics. We are so far away from our ancestral practices. We make mockery of it and laugh at our own practices. There's something wrong with that. We have to get back to the basics. The next challenge we have to do is we have to get into planting our food, people. They're killing us. We have to take control over what goes into our body, not just the herbs, but the food that we eat. 
also we must heal each other as a community. We can't just heal ourselves and think, I'm just, I don't need you. No, we need each other to heal. It takes a community to heal. And this is something that we have to do collectively. Also, we need to empower our elders to teach us so that we could learn. We've gotten far away from our elders. That was a strong part of our nation. And because we've taken their power away or, or don't acknowledge their power, they are powerless. So we have to empower them. Last thing, as Sister Leah so eloquently said, pay attention to the seasons. We have to know what's growing and its purpose of why it's there. That's my challenges for today, um, listeners. And um, this is some powerful challenges. So I think you need you to take each one and strongly consider challenging yourself. Most importantly, let's open our mind to those possibilities. Awesome. All right. So <laughs> at the end of the show, um, and so in 30 seconds of less, can you guys um, leave your last thoughts that you want our listeners to walk away with? pray life force into all of existence. I pray abundance into all of existence. I pray that all things that walk among this earth and this nation find the divinity within them. And I pray that we all step into the truest, highest form of divine power. It is done. It is now. So it be. We talk about the need to have food, shelter, water, um, we can all go without that for a period of time. What we cannot live without is our breath. You can mm. only hold your breath for so long. Every day we hold our breath. We hold our breath. We move quickly. We breathe shallow air, shallow air. I encourage you to, to, be, to establish a, a practice of breath and breathing. Breathe. Tell yourself it's, that you're safe. Put your hand on your heart and say, we're safe. And if you're not able to do that, begin to work on your life so that you can be safe and do that with assurance. We are safe. We are safe. Tell yourself we are safe and breathe deeply, holy, behold. You see me over here breathing. <laughs> All right. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you, listeners, for joining us. And we'll see you next season. Thanks for listening to another episode of Conversations with the Royal Empress. Tune in next week for another enlightening conversation. For more information on the Royal Empress, please visit the website royalempress.org. You can also follow the Royal Empress on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Conversations with the Royal Empress is a subsidiary of the Royal Empress Organization. All rights reserved.